Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number two of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Billick, and I thank you very much for joining me. Also want to thank you for listening to episode number one with my good friend Davy Jones of Frontier Ruckus. I got a lot of good comments and feedback about that episode from you, and I really use that to motivate me. It, as you can imagine, podcasting can kind of be a solitary exercise all by myself here and with my computer editing these things, and it's really nice to know that actual people out there are enjoying it. So I do encourage you to keep the comments coming about these episodes or suggestions for future episodes. Please feel free to email me at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com or search for me on any of the social media sites. I'm, uh, I'm out there and you can find me, so I appreciate all of that. The main comments I got after the last episode, most of them requested even more banjo playing, and I really got the feel that most of you listening are banjo players yourself, and that's really not surprising. That's kind of who I had in mind when I decided to make this podcast. So this one's going to be for you. It's going to be a playing tip, hopefully improve your own playing by listening to it. But uh, without further ado, here it is, episode number two of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Hey everybody, I started this podcast with banjo players in mind. I'm a banjo player myself, and I couldn't find the podcast that I wanted to listen to, so that's why I started this, and this one is going to be for you. It's going to be somewhat of a banjo lesson. I'm going to share a a playing technique that I have found very useful in my own playing, and I hope that you do too. I think it's a very versatile technique. This is the first of hopefully many sort of lesson-based episodes I have for this podcast, and I really couldn't think of a better way to begin than with a technique that I associate with the banjo player Jim Mills. Now, Jim Mills has a very special place in my heart. When I was very first starting out on the banjo, I had some good friends who were kind of taking me under their wing, and one of the first albums that they recommended that I get in order to become a well-versed banjo player was the album The Grass is Blue by Dolly Parton, and I can't recommend that highly enough to any of you. It's still one of my favorite bluegrass albums, and I consider it kind of an essential recording. Now, of course, when I began listening to the album, I took immediate note of the incredible banjo playing, and it was really inspiring. So I, of course, looked in the album liner notes and found out that the banjo player was a guy named Jim Mills, and I did what any good musician does, and I immediately sought out anything that Jim Mills played on because I was so taken with his playing. And of course, I figured out that he had, at the time, uh, one solo album titled Bound to Ride, which I bought immediately and loved that as well. Also found out that he was the full-time banjo player for Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder. I made sure I got to go see them live. And yeah, was just thrilled to discover this great banjo player. I still have memories of riding my bike through Lansing on the river trail, zooming along, trying to hold my CD Discman in a way that it wouldn't skip, just uh, pedaling along and grooving to the sounds of 
Dolly Parton and also Jim Mills's solo album, Bound to Ride, using that to fuel my energy going down that river trail. Um, still a great memory of my early days as a banjo player. And even to this day, there's just something about the way that Jim Mills combines that traditional Earl Scruggs slash J.D. Crow sound in a way that just expresses a lot of joy and excitement in his playing. I think he's uh, one of the best modern demonstrators of that type of style. He has since released a couple more solo albums, one entitled My Dixie Home, another titled Hydehead Blues, and really I can't recommend them highly enough. I just love everything he does, um, especially if you have any kind of desire to listen to traditional style three-finger banjo playing. He's really someone worth checking out if you don't know him already. But enough about that. Let's get on to the playing now. Um, I would characterize this technique as an intermediate level technique. So what that means is there are a few skills that I expect you to have before you can really take full advantage of this playing tip. One skill is going to be what uh, is commonly referred to as the foggy mountain roll. Now, for any of you who don't know the foggy mountain roll, this might be a good time to go look that up and review it. But as a really quick snapshot, the foggy mountain roll in terms of T being thumb, I being index, M being middle, is I M T M T I M T, and that's on the second string, first string, second string, first string, fifth, second, first, fifth. So. And of course, it's called the Foggy Mountain Roll because that's the roll that is used in Foggy Mountain Breakdown to play. So that's the roll that we are primarily going to use for this Jim Mills tip. Um, the other skill that you are going to want to have before you can really take full advantage of this playing tip is knowing the chord inversions at least for the, I guess, the G, C, and D chord, or whatever chords you think you need to play the songs that you uh, encounter in your playing. Now, before you panic and think that you don't know inversions, let me explain. Um, the Inversions is just a fancy word of playing the same chord in different positions on the neck. So, for example, we know that we have a open G chord when we play the open banjo strings. And if we are at an intermediate level, which this lesson is aimed for, we also know that we have a G chord at um, this position, which from low D to high D goes 5, 4, 3, 5. And then the next one up. And then the next one up. Basically all different ways of playing a G chord. And then, of course, you have the same thing with C chords, for example. All the different ways to play a C. And also D. D. 
So if those are not things that you know, feel free to let me know and I can perhaps address those on a future podcast or those are things that you just need to kind of seek out before you can take full advantage of this lesson that we're doing right here. So let's get started here. We are going to start focusing on a G chord. And for the beginning here, we're going to focus on these two shapes. Um, just the top two strings, the B and the D, um, at the 8th and ninth fret. Those two notes of a G chord. And then also the same strings, but 12 and 12. So those are two ways to play the G chord. And I mentioned that you need to know the Foggy Mountain Roll. So let's play the Foggy Mountain Roll. That kind of thing. But what Jim Mills does and how this connects is he has kind of a, a playful rhythm that he uses. So I'm still just using those two chord shapes. And that roll pattern. And listen how he switches between the chord shapes. So basically he's doing a foggy mountain roll. And then using that next inversion, that next G chord, as kind of an accent at the end. So the elements that we have in place so far are that roll pattern, the two inversions, and also notice what part the slides play. I think that's a really essential part of what Jim Mills does to get that playful kind of sound. You kind of slide up and then slide back down. And that's an important part of getting the the right feel for this technique. So, so far we've covered those two inversions of the G chord. The position that goes 8-9 and then 12-12. Twelve, twelve. Um, but obviously in a real bluegrass situation, we're going to have not only G chords, but other chords, usually a C and a D. Um, so this is where your other inversions come in. How I would advise practicing this is find all the G chords on your banjo neck. And if you notice, we've actually only used those top two strings, the B and the D string. So identify all the ways to play the, the G chord on the top two strings, and it'll be kind of like this. And practice that lick, just going back and forth through all those forms uh, for the G. And I messed up there at the end, actually. So excuse me for that. I guess I need to practice this more. So uh, that covers your G. And you can also go 
down with the lick. I've so far demonstrated going up, but there's nothing stopping you from doing something like this. Uh, so feel free to get creative with it. Um, you know, it's just a, a real simple pattern. It's meant to be versatile. Um, and after you have mastered finding all the areas on the neck where you can play the G, then move to your C inversions. And again, you can just uh, stick right now with the top two strings. So you're going to end up with... And you can do the same exercise with the C. And that's all your C. Do that again for the D chord. Find all your inversions. Practice going back and forth with the lick all the way up the neck, all the way down the neck, maybe skipping around, something like this with the G chords. Like I said before, just get creative with it. Um, use it as an opportunity not only to learn how to play in a way that is similar to something that Jim Mills would do, but also as an opportunity just to get a lot more comfortable moving between chords and chord inversions on the banjo neck. Now, so not, so far you've practiced the all the Gs, all the Cs, all the Ds. Now it's time to kind of put them together in a way that would actually make sense um, for a song. So let's take a really generic bluegrass-style chord progression. Let's take four beats of G... followed by um, four of C, and then another four of G, and then four of D. So a pretty typical standard one, four, five kind of bluegrass song. So here's how uh, the rhythm is that, um, that I just described. So we'll start with the G to the C, back to the G, down to the D. And that's the whole progression. So now we're going to use that Jim Mills lick um, and just be using the different inversions, but we are going to change which chords inversions we're using based on that chord progression that I just played. So here I will play the rhythm part again for you once more, just so your ears can get used to hearing the harmony. And then I will go into a banjo part for that same progression using strictly the Jim Mills style lick that I've just taught you and strictly the two note chord inversions based on the G, C, and D chord. So here we go.
So that's just something that I made up on the spot. You can have kind of infinite variations of that based on using different inversions for each of those chords, whether you're going up or down. Um, again, I, I keep saying this, but uh, it's very important to just take a lot of time playing around with that, becoming really comfortable with where all those inversions are on your banjo neck. And that's going to make you a better player, not only for using this lick, but for any playing. It, it, it always pays off to know where all of your notes are, especially for those really common chords that you might use. Now, th the next thing to add into that, of course, is the fact that you can't just rely on that lick to get you through most of your solos. It's going to have to be more integrated into normal sounding playing. Um, even though it's a cool sounding lick, it becomes not very interesting when that's all you're doing over and over, like I just uh, demonstrated. The way to do that is to weave it into the melodies that you're already doing with your playing. And just like any new technique that you learn, it takes a bit of practice to be able to fluently incorporate that into your normal everyday playing. But I think this is a lick that is worth doing that with. So for example, here is a solo that I might play for that progression that we just described. And you don't need to know everything that I'm doing, but try to listen for the spots where I'm using that technique that I just showed you, the Jim Mills chord inversion lick. So here would be a potential solo for a song with that progression. So hopefully, as you listen to a bunch of the Jim Mills playing that I just uh, recommended to you, you'll start to identify how often he actually uses those chord inversions. And he's really a master at just making those simple things sound very exciting within a bluegrass context. So as much as we can, that's what good musicians do. They identify good, useful things that their musical heroes are doing that you can incorporate into your own playing. And I identified something in Jim Mills's playing that I could use, and now I'm passing it along to you. Now, the next step in that is to not only use the, the standard 1-4-5 chords, the G, C, D chords, but to those of you who are to an advanced enough stage that you're using passing chords... Um, so, for example, when you're going from G to C, you can first throw in a G7. And then also, from D to G, you can throw in a D7 to G. Now, if you start to incorporate those passing chords into this same lick, you get even more possibilities. So, for example...
Now, I didn't stick to just the Foggy Mountain role there, but I think you get the idea that you can take a very simple idea, like using that role and using some different chord shapes to really liven up your playing. And I think it adds a lot. And to those of us who play a lot of bluegrass, it's easy to get into the same kind of rut and playing the same things over and over again for every solo. And we're constantly searching for those extra little things that we can throw in that adds just a little different flavor to our playing. And I think this is one of those techniques that kind of has a lot of possibilities, even though at its root, it's a very simple concept. So there you have it, folks. I really hope you found something that can help you in your own playing within this episode. That's definitely a technique that I turn to quite a bit when I'm playing uh, traditional style bluegrass once again, I cannot recommend highly enough that you go out and buy every Jim Mills album you, that you can, and I'm very confident that once you start listening to his playing, you're going to start identifying a lot of the things that I just talked about on this episode, and I think it'll give you an even better idea hearing how he uses it, what the possibilities are for using this technique. So anyway, this is going to wrap up episode number two of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Once again, I'm Keith Billick. Contact me at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from all of you about your feedback about this episode and, of course, suggestions or comments regarding future episodes. Also super excited that it's spring now, prime banjo playing weather, especially for those of us in the north who don't tend to get out of the house too much when it gets really cold. So... Happy spring, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.